Leading anything is hard, especially when the mission is deeply challenging and the resources are scarce. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, where we have meaningful conversations with leaders about growing healthy organizations. Your host is Neil Hart, and this podcast is brought to you by the Mergon Foundation, a resource partner to ministries who expand God's kingdom and bring hope and restoration to communities across Africa and the Middle East. It's great to be with you today for our next episode of Elevate. Have you ever wondered how to benefit from the strength of multi-organizational networks? Today I'm with Corin Butler-Primuth from the very special Vision Synergy. Corin lives in California, but she's also lived in China and India and South Africa. And today we're going to be speaking about building multi-network organizations. It's a rare art to play your part well but also to be able to exit and allow others to come into the limelight. Corin, thank you so much for being with us today. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? It's really a privilege to be with you and I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Thank you for that um, very kind introduction. <laughs> um, I'm married with three children in their 20s and our youngest just graduated from college, so it's a new season of life for us. Um, as a little background, Vision Synergy was started actually by my father, Phil Butler. And although we had never even talked about working together over our many years in the past, um, God had a really surprising plan in mind. And about 10 years ago, he passed the leadership baton to me. So it's been, it's been such a privilege to lead this ministry for the past 10 years, and especially to see the remarkable ways that God is at work uniting the church around the world like never before in history. So I'm excited to be able to share a little bit about what we're seeing God doing around the world in our time together today, Neil. Well, firstly, maybe tell us a little bit about Vision Synergy. What is the work that Vision Synergy does? Well, we are, I would say we're collaboration specialists in the global mission movement. Mm. And we have seen time and again that when God's people work together in partnership, He pours out His Spirit for kingdom breakthroughs that had not been possible by individual ministries that have been working together, often in the same places and in the same areas. Mm. We advocate for collaboration by speaking and writing articles and trying to raise awareness about God's work to unite the church. And we equip mission leaders to gain the skills and the knowledge and the values that are really needed to form and facilitate these kinds of multi-organizational networks. And we also coach and advise network leaders so that they can move beyond just talking and having meetings together, but really developing the structures that are needed to actually accomplish a shared vision that's seeing real kingdom impact. To be practical, in your context, what does success look like? Maybe you could tell us a real story, something that can help us to understand exactly what multi-organizational networks look like when they are in action and working well. You know, today there are many different types of networks that are uniting the body of Christ for this kind of shared action. Mm. Um, these networks are operating at global levels, bringing ministries together from across the world. They're operating at these regional levels where re um, organizations and churches within a region are beginning to partner around shared strategies. And they're also working at very local levels, like at the city or community level, mm. bringing very local level leaders together around shared initiatives. But, but ultimately, um, I want to paint a picture for you, a before and after picture of, of the kind of change that can take place when ministries that have previously had no connection begin working together toward a shared vision. 
Great. So I want to share about a partnership that has been developed for a country in the Arabian Peninsula. Mm. We're going to call that country Sunland for security purposes, what I, <laughs> I think all of your listeners can understand. This is a Muslim-majority country where there, um, those who choose to follow Christ often face great persecution. And so intentional Christian workers who are actually working in this country can only gain access through professional roles, um, either in business or education or um, science or technology. They cannot enter that country as traditional missionaries. Well, before this partnership for Sunland began, there were over 20 different organizations, cross-cultural mission organizations who had intentional Christian workers in this country seeking to share the love of Christ in a variety of different platforms in which they were working. And yet there was almost no relationship between them. In fact, many of them didn't even want to be in the same room together Mm. because of their concerns about security. No one really knew who was working where, what was God doing? And there was no real mechanism to learn from each other or to share resources. So through a gradual exploration process to identify each of these different workers and who had a common vision for reaching this country, there was a process to begin building trust and listening to their concerns and their individual visions for what they were trying to do. And eventually through that process of trust building and identifying all those different particular ministry leaders, a meeting was called for those who were interested and willing to explore the possibility of working together. Once trust was built and that security protocol was put in place, Mm. this partnership was formed with the goal of first beginning to work on just a very limited number of shared goals. They had never done anything together. And while the vision was huge, the the goal we always encourage um, new partnerships to start with is start with a limited achievable objective, something that you know is going to be a big impact, but will be absolutely achievable. So that partnership was formed and it began actually meeting four times a year. And gradually they developed a shared strategy that included the entire country. Well, that was 10 years ago. And since then, many others have joined this partnership and they now have a vibrant fellowship with one another and they have accomplished many things together. In recent years, this partnership has begun to see exponential growth of local coming to faith in Christ, becoming bold in their witness, despite the challenges of persecution. So when we think about the before and after picture of what this partnership has accomplished, you know, 10 years ago, no one could have imagined that they would see such major breakthroughs for the gospel in a place that had seemed to have such hard spiritual ground. And yet, this country has now become a beautiful demonstration of John 17. Karen, I want to ask you, uh, you know, when, when leadership teams are so focused on their own mission and their own goal, and they should be, I mean, that's quite normal, that's a good thing. What do leaders need to do differently to enable greater collaboration? Collaboration doesn't just happen by itself. Um, mission networks, these kinds of networks and partnerships that we're working with, they're intentional efforts. They don't just form spontaneously because someone has a great idea and they don't just operate by themselves. Mm. At the heart of these collaborative efforts are leaders. And these are leaders who've realized the vision that they have or the goal that their organizations or their church or ministries have 
is only going to be realized if they can come together with others because that vision is too big for mm -hmm. any one organization to accomplish alone. And, and that really begins with leaders starting an exploration process to identify who are other leaders and other organizations and churches that might share a similar vision. But don't just begin by calling a meeting of all those mm -hmm. people. It begins with identifying who are the other like-minded people in my field yeah. and beginning to meet with them individually, asking them to share their vision, mm. getting to know them and building a relationship with them, That's so which good. begins to be the foundation of trust, which enables you to explore that possibility of working together. And when you meet people, you can. the key question is to ask, is there anything that we might do together that we could not accomplish if we continue working separately. If there is something that you can imagine doing together, then it, it begins the process of saying, okay, should we begin to explore the possibility of working together? And that doesn't mean you're making a commitment, you're not committing a lot of resources, you're just saying we're willing to start this conversation to build, to build trust, to build relationship, and begin exploring um, the potential of working together. One of the things that struck me as you were talking is how um, as leaders of organizations, we need to look um, at how to raise a people around us who are who carry the gifts and the calling of this kind of thing. Um, people who can think more more broadly, I guess. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what are what are the things that you see in those kinds of individuals? What are the characteristics that define this kind of leader? I do think it is a unique kind of leader, and and actually, I think very often these kinds of network leaders. Um, are often people who are working outside the boundaries of their organization already. Okay. And oftentimes as organizational leaders, we, we are constantly trying to rein them in. We feel like they're, maybe they're not focused on our, our organizational goals because they're seeing the opportunity to partner with others. Yeah, these are radicals and, and, and running off on their own. I mean, often it, that's what it feels like. Exactly. They can often feel like renegades, right? Yeah. And instead of seeing those kinds of leaders from that perspective, if instead we saw that God is raising up these kinds of leaders to be the joints in the body of Christ, mm. to connect us with others so that we might partner together. And we, we usually see these, these are catalytic leaders, and they generally have a dual calling. First, they have a calling to a God-sized vision yeah. for a particular place or a ministry issue or a challenge. But they also realize they are not going to be able to accomplish that vision alone. And it's going to take God's people working together toward a shared vision that's gonna leverage those different strengths and resources. So these are people who are perceived as working toward a common kingdom vision. Yeah. And after helping you know, build networks for many years, we've seen that you know, effective networks really do require these kinds of well-equipped network leaders. They're leaders who have a biblical conviction that God has designed the body of Christ to work together. Because when things get tough, and they will, because as you said, it's hard going partnering with others. And the most effective network leaders are those who really understand the principles and the process, the step-by-step -step process that's needed to actually form and facilitate these kinds of multi-organizational networks. Maybe just quickly on that, so you say a step-by-step -step process. Are there a couple of key step-by-step -step processes that you could uh, just hit us with a couple of thoughts that would maybe stimulate some thinking here. We, we talk about network development in three stages, the exploration, 
and then formation, and then operation stages. Mm -hmm. And at each one of those stages, there are different leadership competencies that are needed, there are different goals, and there are different steps that need to be taken in order to effectively move to the next stage. So I mentioned earlier about the exploration stage, and that's mm -hmm. critical. Very often we, we think that we can just jump into a meeting and try to form a partnership mm -hmm. without having actually done the due diligence that's really necessary to understand who's already in the same playing field that we're mm -hmm. in, who is doing what, and what are they accomplishing and what is their vision. And so that exploration stage is foundational to, to identifying like-minded partners and understanding what are the critical issues that are shaping the field of ministry that we're trying to work in. You wanna be fully prepared with a full understanding of the most influential people and the most critical issues. And then when you get to that formation meeting, you're at a place to be able to really identify what are the challenges that we are facing together? What are the potential opportunities to work together? What are some of the possible solutions to those challenges? And then to begin to prioritize and ask that question, is there anything that we might do better together than we couldn't accomplish if we all just keep yeah. going to our corners and doing what we've been doing? Um, and, and that often then leads to this step and this decision to, to form an intentional partnership or a network that's going to enable you to begin defining those priorities and potentially mapping out some shared projects that you could begin working together towards. Yeah. Karen, I want to get controversial here for a second. You wrote a, a, an article I read recently about networks, and I want to quote from that because these are great, strong words that you wrote. You said, any agency or church that wants to be part of God's plan to reach the nations can no longer ignore the influence of networks since they are shaping the future of the mission movement. I love it. Really nice, great, strong words. You've got a clear view on that. Why don't you unpack that for us a little bit? I'd say we, we are, have been in a unique position to see the way that God is actually at work uniting the church in these days like never before. And that's possible because of communication and transportation and technology, which today we don't have to fly across the world to identify a potential partner. We can just turn on a Zoom call mm -hmm. and we can be connected. And that's making it possible to facilitate these interconnections in addition, the church today is global. It's not just from the West to the rest, but it's from everyone to everywhere. And Africa is playing an increasingly important part and role in that global mission movement. So we've got a, a world where it's no longer about pioneering, it's about partnering, mm -hmm. because the entire church is now on the move to wow. reach the remaining ends of the earth. And we're gonna be doing that together. In the past, individual mission agencies were really developing the key mission strategies. It was, it was agencies who had the knowledge of how what was happening in the field. But today, every church has access to that knowledge, no matter where they are in the world. And through that process of meeting together and talking together, those networks are now becoming really at the forefront to develop the most effective mission strategies in the world. Those are multicultural networks. They're bringing together Africans, Arabs, Western leaders from North America, Chinese. We're all part of that global mission movement that, that God is raising up to accomplish his mission in the world. And I think ultimately this is the way that God is enabling us to learn to love one another 
to respect each mm. other's differences yeah. in order to demonstrate the credibility of the gospel to an unreached world. Yeah. How much time and resource are we or have we been wasting just by duplicating effort, not working strategically? Do you feel like this is something we've got to do differently going forward? I think many of us, if we look at our, our fields of ministry, would look out and recognize that very often because we don't know what others are doing in the same field, mm. we often don't realize um, who is doing what. What is the right hand in the body of Christ doesn't necessarily know what the left hand is doing. Yeah. And the biggest result of that is there is a lot of duplication of effort. But in addition, there are gaps. It's, it's like thinking about a square and four different organizations, each pointed to their corner. Mm. And yet in the middle of that square, there is a hole. There's a, a whole area of ministry and people that are not being reached because we're all pointed out, yeah. not aware of who's not being reached because mm. we're so focused on our own corners. Mm. And so I think this, this is, is really the reality is that it's not that we don't have enough resources in the mission movement. We have 2,000 years of incredible resources around the we world. We do, yeah. But one of the greatest reasons why we are still not achieving the Great Commission is because we're not doing it together. Mm. We don't know who is where. We don't know who's doing what. Corn Africa is starting to play a very interesting part in the global space and, and of course in the past it was all the west and uh, the northern hemisphere working towards the south and 1040 window but things have certainly changed a lot over the last number of years. It feels to me like Africa is starting to make its way onto the stage and play a part that it's never played before. What are you seeing in Africa and what should we be taking note of? You know, I think one of the most significant things when we think about the future of Africa is that the population of Africa is estimated to double mm. by 2050. That's less than 30 years from now. It's incredible. So let's imagine what what is that going to mean for the future of the church and the mission movement. That growth is going to influence the massive growth of the church. The African church is already growing mm. in amazing and remarkable ways today. And so with that kind of population growth, the church will become much younger, even younger than it is today. Yeah. And so that is going to mean incredible opportunities to train up younger leaders to be on mission in every sphere of society, not just in as traditional missionaries, but in every sphere as Africa continues to grow and develop and more and more resources are, are moved into technology and into, into business and entrepreneurship. The African church is becoming one of the largest mission sending churches to other unreached areas of Africa and to the Middle East. And that will require the growth of mission training centers, cross-cultural training, as well as an increase in financial stewardship and generosity mm. so that the African church can actually financially support this great growing movement that God is raising up to send into the ends of the earth. And those were not just be traditional full-time missionaries because many of those places that we're needing to see people go cannot access those places as traditional full-time mm. Christian workers. Yeah. They're going to need to go in roles of business, entrepreneurship, science and technology. And so as Africa continues to develop, those are opportunities for the next generations to, to move into those areas of expertise 
and to develop a vibrant faith where they can be on mission in whatever sphere of society mm. God calls them to be. And what we hope for is that will be a united effort, mm. that it won't be just this enormous explosion of new ministries all kind of doing their thing, but there will be this incredible sense that we are going to do this together. Mm. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wow. And if we zoom out, thank you for that. That's a real encouragement uh, for those of us working on the African continent. But if we zoom out a little bit, and if, if I remember correctly from uh, some numbers, in fact, it might have come from the same article you wrote, but if there are 5 million churches in the world, and from uh, estimation, I think there are about 7,000 unreached people groups left, depending on whose statistics you're looking at, that means that there are over 700 churches to every one unreached people group in the world, which in itself is a startling statistic. And that's excluding the missions agencies and other people that are working towards the Great Commission. How do we, and from your perspective with, with networks, how do we mobilize this massive force to do what we were commissioned to do in Matthew 28? I'll just give a few thoughts yeah. from kind of the vantage point where we're, where we're sitting. Um, you know, in Matthew 28, Jesus called us to go, everyone to go and make disciples of all the nations. And he didn't say that that job, that calling was just reserved for full-time trained cross-cultural workers or missionaries. God designed the local church and people like you and me in every profession, in every sector of society to be the primary means by which the gospel is shared with those who don't know Christ. We're called to be on mission by using the unique skills and gifts that God has given to us. And many of those unreached people groups that still remain in the world, they are in the most difficult to get to places. They are not yet reached because they are the most difficult to reach. They are in places of great spiritual darkness. And so I would say the first role that God has called us to is prayer. Mm. We need to be a praying people because no group is ever reached by human effort alone. It begins with the work of the Holy Spirit through a movement of prayer. But many of those groups will also not be reached by a full-time missionary because they are in countries that missionaries cannot enter. Yeah. And some will only be reached by someone who can use their professional skills as a teacher, a scientist, a business entrepreneur, but who's also passionate about sharing the love of Christ and who also is equipped to do that cross-culturally. Mm. And so I think the only way that we will see the whole world reached is when the whole world, the whole church, takes the whole gospel in all its diversity. Corin, just in closing, uh, this has been such a, a rich time. You've shared so many valuable nuggets and stories. What passion do you carry in your heart to share um, besides all the other nuggets that you've shared for the sake of God's kingdom? To those who are listening, what is the vision that God has put on your heart? What is the vision God has put on your heart? Is that, is that a God-sized vision? Because surely, if that is a God-sized vision, then He has called others to accomplish that vision as well. So I would encourage you to look out on your field of ministry. Who else is there? Who else might God be calling you to reach out and begin to explore? Begin just by building a relationship, getting to know one another, hearing each other's hearts, and learning from each other. 
and beginning to ask some of these questions we talked about today. Is there anything that you might do better to accomplish the mission God has given to you by joining together with others who share that same mission? Karen, you have been such a joy to speak to. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you so much also for just the incredible work that you guys are doing at Vision Synergy. And um, yeah, I really trust that many people can can connect in more with what you guys are doing and you can facilitate a lot more growth uh, for the glory of God in this day that we're in. So thank you and thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so much, Neil. If you enjoyed this session with Corin as much as I did, there are two questions I want to encourage you to process with your management team. Firstly, can you identify time and resources that you are potentially wasting or effort that is being duplicated by not working strategically. And secondly, identify a group of three to five organizations that you know of that you could take hands with to begin to explore a collaborative relationship. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Elevate, brought to you by the Mergon Foundation. We trust you found this conversation valuable and hope you will join us for more on the topic of leadership and organizational health.